The world isn't simple anymore. And on the Walden Pond podcast, your host, anti-fraud expert Vince Walden, is talking to experts about the technology and compliance trends you need to know about to keep your compliance and fraud detection programs relevant. If you're looking for insights that are practical, timely, and innovative, welcome to The Pond. Welcome to The Pond. I'm your host, Vincent Walden, part of the Tom Fox Compliance Podcast Network. And with me today, I'm really excited to have my guest, an old friend, Jonathan Nystrom, who I've known for a long time. Welcome, Jonathan. Vince, it is a delight to be here on The Pond with you. (laughs) That's great. Well, glad to have you on. And his background, Jonathan is CEO of a company called Intensity Analytics. It's a startup that's got some fascinating technology that I'm excited to show you guys. We came up with the title together to get your attention, Reinventing Identity and Access Management Based on Mathematical Principles from the Stars. What? (laughs) <laughs> That's deep. But before we get started, in typical Walden Pond fashion, I'm going to start with my Thoreau quote. And Jonathan, you're going to help me translate why this is applicable. But Thoreau quoted many, many years ago, any fool can make a rule and any fool will mind it. Let's talk about that in the context of password protection, Jonathan. What do you think? Well, I want to talk about it even more broadly than password protection. I want to talk about it in terms of identity. Identity is the bedrock on which virtually everything else in our world operates. And a lot of the ways that we protect identity today are really just a bunch of rules. And our adversaries are not fools. Our adversaries are brilliant. And the people that are trying to take advantage of enterprises and companies out there are going to take advantage of us if we use the same old techniques to do the same old thing the way they've grown accustomed to doing it. It's a perfect segue into what we're going to talk about and how we rethink that. But before we get started, let's talk about you a little bit. Now, I've worked with you. We worked at a big four together for over eight years, and uh, we acquired your your company when you were CEO of Catafora. But uh, give us a background of kind of even where you got started before that and take us to today. Sure. My first technology job was with a startup in the early 90s that specialized in developing software that made scanners work really well. Now that sounds a little obscure and boring, but quickly we discovered the legal market and discovered that there were all of these overnight photocopy shops that were taking documents in and helping manage the documents for litigation. And I went around the country helping them become overnight scanning shops with software and training and hardware and learning how to do it. And along the way, one of my competitors was this group of people out in Warrington, Virginia, that were just really smart people and doing the same kind of things and really building scale. I stayed in touch with those people for the past 30 years. And lo and behold, these are the people that founded Intensity Analytics Hmm. and came up with the breakthrough technologies that it's my job to bring out to the market now. Very cool. Very cool. Well, let's talk about it. So for our legal risk and compliance professionals out with us on the pond today, why should they care about identity and access management? And isn't that the IT's job? IT is certainly a big part of the solution, but it's management's problem to establish identity. It is a central question. If you ask the question the opposite way, you say, what would happen if we didn't care? Well, then (laughs) who gets the prescription? (laughs) 
<laughs> yeah, legally, it's, it's, it's a lawsuit. <laughs> yeah, who gets to see that sensitive document? Who hears about that great idea that the company hasn't patented yet? Who gets to pick up your kids at daycare or your theater tickets? So identity is in the center of all that, and it affects every facet of the company. Yeah, crazy. Well, when I look at your website, it says, authenticate yourself by being yourself. Now, what in the world is Intensity Analytics doing? What are you doing? And what's it have to do with astronomy and mathematical principles from the stars? So what the heck's going on, Jonathan? Well, what we're doing is pretty straightforward. What we're doing is giving any platform, any software that's out there, the ability to just add hidden authentication to their stack and recognize you based on how you type. In simplest terms, that's what we're doing. How does that relate to the stars? Well, people have been trying to do this since the first person sent a telegraph to the second person in the 1800s figure out who's at the other end of the wire. And there's been a lot written on it. There's been a lot of companies that have come and gone trying to do it. There's been a lot of big R&D efforts. And what they've all bumped up against is that it's really easy to do poorly and it's really hard to do accurately at scale. And the reason it's hard to do accurately at scale is because if you look at that keyboard sitting in front of you probably, you see a whole bunch of keys. And if you can imagine at an unconscious level how your fingers move around on there there are literally hundreds thousands millions of millions of ways for that movement and timing to occur and when you start getting at those numbers you start running into something called the curse of dimensionality a mathematical limitation that comes up especially when you're comparing things and you want to determine how similar they are but they're never exactly the same so our chief scientist and co-founder is also an amateur astronomer. And as he was pondering this problem, he'd been working on this problem a while, he came to the realization that what you're studying in astronomy is bodies in motion and how they're moving relative to other bodies in motion. So these are actually astronomy problems. This idea of very centricity, this idea of Mahala Nobis and Bhattacharya distances being measured in astronomy actually applies in other areas. And what they did is took that insight and built algorithms around it, which are now patented as part of a core of our product. I realize that I probably, the audience at this point has just self-selected in the people that wish I would, for the love of God, stop talking about math and those that want to hear more. But, <laughs> but well, essentially, you are identifying people based on not just the password itself, but adding an extra layer of the password and the frequency at which the password is typed in such that it identifies that user as their unique password typing frequency, right? Well, in fact, that's mostly right, but I don't want to dwell too much on the password itself because okay. the reality is the password is a convention that we all hate. We all hate I hate passwords. memorizing my passwords. All the we different hate memorizing ones. them. We hate changing them. We hate following arcane rules. But there are 300 billion passwords in use today. And most of them have no protection whatsoever in terms of two-factor or multi-factor authentication. And what we do is we provide a very, very easy way to add a second factor without adding a second step. 
So we don't even have to know your password. We don't have to know what you're typing. We can tell by the way you're typing it that you are you. That it's you. That's cool. Oh, so That is awesome. And the other thing is, it doesn't have to be. We also do this all day long as part of continuous authentication for zero trust environments. So you can imagine for insider threat or in today, there's so many people working remotely that never worked remotely before. Think of all the group houses where someone's sitting around working and, you know, someone gets up and goes to the kitchen. Maybe their roommate is curious and goes over to their laptop and starts rooting around. Because of the way they move differently, we would spot that. And I think that's really important for compliance professionals and everyone to think about in this new world that we're living in. Gosh, I think banks especially would go nuts over this technology. So it's funny, I actually logged into your website. And again, it's intensityanalytics.com. I I set up the account. You have a little demo site. I created a password, password one, two, three, simple. It trained it. I entered it in. I had to enter it in like 30 or 40 times just so it would learn. And sure enough, I had a friend tested. And when I typed in password one, two, three, it let me in. When they sat at my computer and they typed in password one, two, three, it said, the red light came up. It said access denied. Now, and again, I think you can have it do a whole bunch of different rules or flags. It doesn't have to deny. It can set a flag or something. But essentially, it didn't let that person in because it recognized that the way it was typed in wasn't me. That's fascinating. Well, that's exactly right. And I'll also point out, we put that up there so anybody can test it for themselves and see with their own experience, with their own putting in their own credentials or making some up for the point. But the point is, you can just try it out yourself. You don't need to take my word for it. But in the real world, you wouldn't do any of that. In the real world, most people using the application, yeah, they don't tell their end users or their customers it's out there. The enrollment occurs over time passively. And then once you're enrolled, it simply starts throwing a flag saying, hey, keep an eye on this one. It could be fraudulent. So you may very well have encountered it at some point in an anti-fraud setting where you were doing an online transaction or you were entering data that you enter a lot, such as your address or your company name or something. It very well could be in the background that our technology is being used to say, hey, is that really Vince Walden, the Walden Pond guy? Yeah. <laughs> you know, if I start typing with my index finger digits as opposed to my normal all 10 fingers, it would pick that up and probably identify and lock me out perhaps or, or if we throw a it, flag. Well, we're providing a sensor. We turn all 3 billion keyboards out there into sensors, but our customers yeah. decide what to do with that information. So in some cases, they use it to lock you out. In some cases, they use it to prompt you for some other authentication method. Oh, in like a challenge. Cases, yeah. Okay. Exactly. And in other cases, it, we also can deliver the data in common event format, which is used by virtually every security incident and event management product and every orchestration products. So however your company deals in your sock, we just fit right in seamlessly. Wow. That's interesting. You know, now I have to take a step back and say, when I think about the future of passwords and a passwordless society, where it's mainly biometrics as a means of identification, why are we trying to improve old school passwords? Well, we're not. We're starting where we are. We're starting with the world as it is. And in the world as it is, passwords are ubiquitous. And more than 80% of breaches occur as a result of stolen credentials. Yeah, that's so true. We, so if we can instantly give industry a chance to stop that problem right out of the gate, prevent account takeovers, 
give better defense for phishing that's happening today, then of course we want to do it. But we're not betting on passwords. We're betting on movement. And the reason we're betting on movement biometrics instead of all the other biometrics you hear about is that all the other biometrics you hear about are great and really convenient. It's nice to use your face or your fingerprint or your eye or whatever as an authentication device. But the downside that's been written about pretty extensively is that all of those can never be revoked. You're not going to get a new face or a new fingerprint. Unless you're so, like in Beverly Hills. <laughs> unless you're in Beverly Hills. <laughs> and so what happens is once those are stolen, once those are spoofed, you can't trust them anymore for the rest of your life to be a reliable biometric. Now, by contrast, what the movement we're capturing is essentially at a microscopic level of timing. It's even smaller than that. It's at a, a tick is a hundredth of a millisecond. So we're measuring things at such a rapid speed that your unconscious is the only thing that knows how you do it. And your unconscious and our code, we're not creating a new source. No one can come steal a database of movement timings and do anything meaningful with it because right. there's no exact match. And in fact, if ever there's an exact match, we know for a fact that's a problem. It's just like every thunderstorm in every galaxy are kind of the same, but every single one of them is distinct and different. That's how movement is. And so we think that in the future, it's going to be more important than ever as people are working on a keyboard to be able to say, is that really Vince Walden? Yeah, it's like your keyboard is now your sensor. It's not biometrics because that's fixed, but it's just your movement. Well, a lot um, of people are calling it keystroke biometrics, and I'm kind of okay. coming around to that because it is a kind of biometrics, and behavioral biometrics are a term that gets used a lot, but I do want to quickly make a distinction. A lot of people, when they say behavioral biometrics, they're just looking at habits. And, and what this I mean, isn't this, a habit. Yeah. No, this isn't a habit. This is an actual physical behavior. Wow, totally different way to think about keyboards now. Now, educate the audience real quick as we think about different biometrics. Again, we're compliance professionals. We're not necessarily, there's a few cyber professionals that listen to the pond as well, but educate us a little bit on the different ways and let's kind of get low on time, but educate us on kind of the different ways to authenticate. Well, first of all, I am never going to propose that, you know, someone just add one whiz-bang technology to the stack and they're done. Yeah. There, it yeah. is there's constant adaptation, but the most common ways to authenticate are getting a challenge question or getting a text sent. They're basically ways to look at something you have and something you know and something you are. And the challenge with all of them is you're really proving possession. You're not proving that it's Vince Walden. You're proving it's Vince Walden's. You're logging in on Vince Walden's account. You're proving that you're holding on to Vince Walden's phone and you've got the text, or at least that you were smart enough to pirate his SIM oh. card and you got the text. Good point. And you're proving that you know Vince Walden's answer to what the middle name of his college roommate was, but right. none of those things prove that you're Vince Walden. We, on the other hand, and then what a lot of other folks are doing is they're proving who you're not. Like they can say reasonably, if you always log in from a location, and I don't know if I can say where your location is physically right now, but if you're in the same place and that's where you are at this time of day, and then one second later, you're 3,000 miles away, that's not you. That's very different than saying, yeah. wow, this is you. Yeah. Yeah. No doubt. No doubt. Now, your product name is called TickStream. Is that that's the case? 
It's a family of products. Tickstream is the family of products, and we have the key ID product, which is the one that slips in behind to fortify passwords or vaccinate passwords. We also have the CV product for continuous validation. That's the one that runs all day long and says, hey, the person sitting here may not be the person that was sitting there a moment ago. We have yeah. a few other products that are in deployment for various use cases of identifying when folks are sharing accounts. That's a really common problem. And most of our customers there don't have a stop it. They just want to see if the policy is being complied with. And a lot of times it's the privilege access folks, the system administrators who are sharing those accounts and we just spot it and report it. And then they deal with it with education or, you know, whatever yeah. their appropriate yeah. protocol is. Well, that's probably how the tie-in for compliance can come into play. And we've got one time for one more question and that's what, what should our legal compliance and anti-fraud professionals out here with us on the pond, what should they be thinking about with, as it relates to this technology innovation? How should they bring it to their IT or is it a compliance topic or what should they be thinking about in terms of uh, locking, you know, thinking about identity and access management? Well, I think when you step back and look at risk, legal risk, compliance risk, cybersecurity risk, when you look at risk to the company, identity is the absolute centerpiece that all of the rest of the trust and processes rely on. And so there's a growing body of activity that the SEC, for example, has an identity theft red flag rule focused specifically on financial institutions and making sure that they are using available technology to spot and deal with red flags around identity because it's so important. And there are maybe 15 standards out there dealing with identity and the consequences because identity is also core to privacy and to breaches, those consequences are getting very expensive because they invoke HIPAA and CCPA and GDPR. Oh, yeah. And the plaintiff's bar is very aware of these issues. We've seen inquiries from the plaintiff's bar saying, what are the technologies out there that are available but not as widely deployed that the adversaries don't know about? Because they're also thinking, if companies aren't doing everything today in a constantly vigilant fashion, then they are exposing themselves to risks kind of knowingly. And that's a problem. Well, Jonathan, I've known you for almost a decade now, and you've never disappointed with uh, cool, creative ideas. And this isn't your idea originally, but the founders coming in and asking you to be their CEO to make this happen. That's impressive and very cool company. We're going to keep an eye on you guys. So once again, what's the website that people can try this out and demo it? Just go to www.intensityanalytics.com. And there you can find information about how to try it out yourself, about products that are out now, about distribution channels and partners. It's all right there. And if you want to get a hold of me, just send an email to sales at intensityanalytics.com and they'll get it to me. Awesome. Hey, Jonathan, always a pleasure, my friend. And I'll probably see you pretty soon once our travel ban's lifted and we can move around a little bit more. So be well, my friend, and thanks for joining me. Thanks for having me on the pond, Vince. And everybody, thanks for listening to this episode. Thank you for joining us for this episode of the Walden Pond Podcast. Make sure to subscribe so you never miss an episode and help spread the word by leaving a review.